0: Hi, you're listening to Single and Mighty. I am Carmel Ecker, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindsay Carlson. And today we are talking to Chris Jones, who is a single mother by choice. This is a really interesting conversation because there aren't many people who make the choice to have a child on their own, like completely on their own. I admittedly don't know if I could have made that choice. I don't know about you, Lindsay. That would be a hard one. I can't imagine having that choice in front of me
1: because it would you would want so much to have the child if that's where your heart was, but it's a really hard journey to choose. So someone who chooses that journey has to be pretty darn brave. And I think that's what we, we really liked about the interview with Chris Jones. She she showed us in quite a few different ways that she's made some brave choices that not everyone would actually make and and they've worked out okay.
0: Yeah. And they're brave, but they're also calculated. Like you you get the sense that she is a very calculated person. And I don't say that in a judgmental, like a negative way. Like she is methodical, uh, very intentional with how she lives her life. And um, she makes really powerful choices as a result. You're right. And she did some
1: things that it opened up my thinking when we were talking to her and she talked about buying houses and, and selling them and fixing them up and changing where she lived, even moving to a different country. Um, all of these are things that she's done with her son. It just kind of challenged my thinking about my comfort zone and what's possible in my life. So it was a useful interview to me.
0: Yeah, and and I I really like how she challenged my own idea of like what's hard.
1: Mm. Like you said,
0: "Oh gosh, that that just seems like such a hard journey to take." And yet, talking to her, I was like, "Oh, actually, maybe it's not that hard." <laughs> like she just sets this beautiful example of making choices and doing what needs to be done, and she's living such a beautiful life with her son full of choices, full of financial abundance, and um, just such an inspiration.
1: Yeah. I really think it's a good show for people who are looking at what they really want to do in the world and thinking, Oh, it's, it's really hard. It's really challenging because I think what Chris did was saw the opportunities in the hard stuff. And, um, I think this would be a really great show to encourage anyone who's in that position.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and also for anyone who, like you said, like uh, listening to themselves, encouragement to actually listen to yourself. What do you want? What do you really want? Stop listening to the negative voices in your head that are telling you you're not allowed to have that or it's too hard or whatever. Trusting in ourselves. It's, it's, it can be so hard and break some rules. I mean, I think she
1: says like her grandma taught her about entrepreneurship and she decided to have a child on her own. And, you know, thinking outside the box is really where we're at with this one. That's great. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, here's Chris Jones.
2: Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really, really happy to be here.
0: We're so happy to have you. And the the first question that we always like to ask is, you know, what's your story?
2: (laughs) That could go a million different directions. Um, In relation to being a single parent?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So essentially, I... You know, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. Um, And as I entered into my 30s, um, I I knew that like, okay, like at some point I'm going to feel like I'm ready. And then as each year went on, um, I wasn't feeling ready. And I think part of it was um, the relationships that I was in. I had two significant relationships in my 30s. And both of them with incredible human beings that I, that I loved deeply, but, um, for whatever reason, wasn't ready to move into that, that next phase of commitment with, um, them. It sounds like it was happening at the same time, but it wasn't, it was like my first half of my thirties and then the second half of my thirties. So, um, it just didn't feel right. And then all of a sudden it's like I'm 39 and I'm like, okay, I should really start feeling like ready to pull the trigger now. Um and what happened was essentially I think fundamentally the the relationship wasn't right, and I did not want to start a family without that feeling um, of really certainty and optimism about where the relationship was going to go. And mm-hmm. so we amicably parted ways and, you know, are still in, in really um, have a good relationship with each other today. But what happened after that was really, I got ridiculously clear that like, Oh my gosh, somehow I feel ready now, <laughs> but you know, do the math. Um, how do you make that happen when you're not partnered? And when you're 40, you know, it's like, okay, I, and, and oddly enough, um, it was kind of like that perfect recipe where I'm like, I had my full freedom and I, I was feeling grounded again and back to myself again and really healthy. And it was like the, the idea of having a child on my own, which I had never considered before all of a sudden felt like, I don't know if you know that term, like a whole body. Yes. But I felt it through on a cellular level. It was like, yes, like now I feel ready. And now this really bizarre, uncommon way of getting to become a parent feels like the most right path for me. And so once I got that clarity, which it didn't take long, I think it happened all in a matter of like 24 hours where it was like, you know, the clouds parted and it was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. And now I just need to, now I just need to figure out how. And so what happened was, uh, it was long enough ago that like meetup was a thing. I had never really used meetup before, but I got on there and Um, there was a single moms by choice group that was very, very inactive. Um, But I, I got, you know, looped into an event that they were having. And again, it was like a really divinely guided experience where a handful of women, there's probably 10 of us all met at a coffee shop. All of us lived in Portland. All of us were wanting to get pregnant all of us were unpartnered um yeah. and there was this immediate like soul deep kinship and connection with these people that was like oh th- this is like kind of my tribe these are my tribe this is wow. these are my people and there were just people in that group that i knew that we were going to be lifelong friends it was it was so strange and so extraordinary And so what happened was we, um, started, we all linked up on Facebook. We created this little micro group on Facebook that was like eight of us. And we walked each other through the journey together. And now we literally all have kids that are between three and five. And, um, we celebrate holidays. We're doing mother's day together. We have Easter egg hunts together. And it was like this, this dream and this vision has really come into reality. And I, and I, when I think about the journey, I think about how I couldn't have done it without those people who have now become some of my dearest friends. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how it all came about.
1: That's incredible. Wow. Lucky you, what an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's yeah. Like I wouldn't have, it's better than I would have even have have imagined because it is, you know, it's a big, it's a gargantuan thing to do on your own. And the beauty of my journey was that I never ever had to do it alone. And, um, and then the other, the other cool thing about this. So we, the Facebook group that we started between the eight of us, that was just such a lifeline because the the process of becoming pregnant on your own, um, it's a marathon, you know, there are wins and there are losses. It is not a, Hey, like I'm going in and I'm getting pregnant. It is, it can take years. And, hmm. um, and so what I didn't realize is that, how many other women in Portland, which is not a a huge city, but it's, you know, it's a good, good sized city. But within a matter of a year or two, um, the group was private, but I kept getting requests of people that wanted to join. And, you know, we just let anybody in who was on the journey or kind of thinking about the, the path. And now it's like over a couple hundred people are on there just in Portland that are wanting to go down this road. So, um, it's been really neat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love how, um, you, um, you said, you know, you were never alone. And I think that when people make that choice to have a child on their own or, or they're thinking about it, one of the things that stops them is that fear that, Oh my God, I'm going to be doing this all on my own. Can I really Mm -hmm. do it? And, You know, your story so clearly illustrates that even if you're not partnered, it doesn't have to mean that you're doing it alone. There's all kinds of different forms of support out there in the world to, to help us raise our kids.
2: Totally. And, you know, I think one of the things that I really learned is that I had to create that for myself. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have a lot of longtime friends but none of them were going through the journey and uh, although they were supportive like it does really take somebody who understands the journey to like understand the nuances of it and um, and so I was talking to a good friend of mine who she's a, a lesbian and she's married and she went through IVF and has two twin girls and she was kind of giving me some guidance she's really really wise and she's like she's like it's kind of like you're coming out of the closet in a way she's like back when I she was in Santa Barbara when she came out of the closet and she's like I didn't know anyone who was gay like it was just not common and she's like so I just one day I just decided like I need to know that there are other people out there like me so she went to a a gay bar and she's like, I just sat in a booth and I just looked around and I and I said, Oh, she's like me. She's like me. She's like me. Wow. And I think like I think she's the one that it, that encouraged me to go on meetup. She's like, you need to find your tribe, girl. Like you gotta you gotta find other people that are doing this. And it was that was probably the best advice that I got. Changed the trajectory of my life for sure. Um but I think, you know, that's true for all humans. It, it's just we need to find people that are we can really relate to no matter what we're, we're going through.
1: And that's that's really the dream. Like the the whole sales pitch for marriage is to find the person to do life with. And there's just so many other out of the box ways to have people to do life with. It sounds like you've really stuck close with your community and yeah, it sounds amazing that you're connected on such a soul level. I love that. So amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank
2: you. Yeah.
1: So how is life as a business owner with, I'm sure lots of demands on your time and a four year old, um, even though you have this amazing community, you are the only one beside the bathtub at night, for example.
2: Um, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. I, I have a business and I have a couple rental properties and I have a son and there's just a a million things to kind of, um, keep track of in any given day. And, you know, work can be really intense. And then I pick up my son at, between three and five in the afternoon, he's, he's in aftercare at at his preschool. And, you know, and so it's, um, you know, it's just, you figure it out. We're so much stronger than, than we think we are. And the gift of Jude, for me, has just been the ability to prioritize and let go of the things that I thought I needed to do that I really don't do. I read this Mm -hmm. book called, essentialism not sure if you guys are love it with that. that's a great that's book really like yeah I I read that like in bed when Jude was nursing he was like three months old and I was like it was like the clouds parted I'm like this is yes sir and just letting all letting go of the stuff that you know is kind of have to do and just only focus on those essentials um help really helped me. It, it, I still struggle with it. You know, I, I write down all the things that I think I have to do still. And then I mm-hmm. struggle the ones that I absolutely have to do. And I try and just focus on those, but, um, I've, you know, I've taken courses in this approach called Monday hour one. It's all about how to calendar. And that's, that's been great. Like what I learned, um, I think it was actually a different book than Essentialism. But if you don't plan your time, other people will fill it up for you. And so it's just everything has become a lot more intentional. And I actually changed my business model. I was doing website design, branding work, and messaging work. And each project would take between one and three months. And it's just, you know, I think that... the thing about me is I don't enjoy the project management piece. I love yes. the deep creative work, but, um, so I shifted gears and I, I kind of changed my business model to operate more in a VIP day model. So I, you know, I go all in super deep on a VIP day with a client and then at the end of the day, we're basically done. Um, nice. and that really was a game changer for me as far as just, Being able to manage parenting my son and taking good care of my clients in a way that wasn't, you know, overwhelming.
0: That is taking full responsibility for your calendar, full responsibility for what your days look like. And I I think a lot of us are afraid to do that because anytime we say um, yes to something, we're saying no to something else and vice versa. Um, and, totally. and so it's getting really clear on what is it that I want my days, my life to look like, and then creating that calendar and being really strict with it. Yes. And it sounds like I that's what you've done. You've set up this really beautiful, ideal calendar for yourself. And it's given you that, that joy, that freedom to be able to balance the different parts of your life.
2: Exactly. And really to be able to see like what's going on uh, overall, like I have it color coded, so it's like personal stuff, family stuff, work stuff. Yes. And it's like, you know, it, it's nice to have all three colors
1: <laughs> through yes. it throughout the
2: week. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, initially it really freaked me out to look at my calendar and be like, Oh my good God. <clears throat> Every 15 minutes is accounted for.
0: Right. But
2: now I'm like, this is really just a guide. You know, I, I'm in charge. I have the freedom to adjust this. Yes. I, I want to be strict with it, but I, I really had to remind myself that it's, these are guidelines. This is a guide. And because I started to do things where I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I'm behind because I'm not keeping up with what I had planned for the day. And then it's like, no, this is for me. Like I created it for me. It's not supposed to be another thing to, to make me feel like I should be doing this or I should be getting done with this. It's like guardrails. um, Yes. And for your life actually it's like, yeah, that's what, that's what ends up happening.
1: I love that. That's fantastic. I just finished reading the book essentialism because I'm hopping into running my own business again. I mean, the first year of doing that again, and I am feeling that overwhelm and all the opportunities and all the possibilities. And the lifeline that I've had has been, somebody taught me early on to say no, say no to so many things. Just don't you know, give yourself that space. Make sure that you don't commit to too many things until you figure things out. And that's been the one thing. So I love hearing the results a few years down the road for you of how much peace that brought into your life. And the scheduling, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned earlier that you have a couple of rental properties too. I mean, I think it's important for women or solo people to really take accountability for their financial health and their financial future uh, as well. Some people wait to partner up in order to make those big plans and those big investments. Um, I'm really, really curious. Like, How did you get into... When did you realize that you wanted to do this investing on your own and and how did that all come about?
2: Mm, that's such a good question. Um my grandmother was big um it was big into real estate. I think she really enjoyed it. She owned I think mm-hmm. she owned a, some apartment buildings um and I think maybe I got inspired by her. I have a vivid memory of playing Monopoly at my neighbor's house as a kid and getting pummeled. Like, I was like two years younger than all the people I was playing with. And I was like, oh, this is never going to happen again. Like, I got to buy the property. Um, (laughs) So, as I got older, I bought my first house when I was 30. And it's been a very organic um, unfolding, like becoming a landlord and owning property. Essentially, my rule is I just don't sell. I just keep buying and I don't sell things because, especially in Portland, the property values just keep going up. And it's, it's such a desirable right. place to live. And I love, I think... I think it was less driven with like building, you know, some kind of a real estate empire and more driven by my love of design and wanting to remodel and make things (laughs) beautiful. So I like, I, I find, I found my home at 30, I remodeled it. I loved every minute of the remodel. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready for my next project and Mm
1: -hmm.
2: had another remodel project to do. So I bought this second house And I, I thought, you know, maybe like, maybe someone would want to rent the, the first house instead of me having to sell it. And I put it up there and immediately like realized that I could make that work. Um, it was a lot of like, just testing it out because the reality was the worst thing that could happen was that I sell the house. And so then I moved into my second house, rented the first house. And then I did the same thing again, moved into my third house, remodeled that, sold the second or rented the second house. Yeah. And then um, I've done it a couple more times. So essentially like in hindsight, I have this nice passive revenue that keeps coming in. Um, yeah, And I've been really lucky with good tenants and, and stuff but it's been very organic and I've lived in every every yeah. house that I've ever owned I've lived in and like lovingly restored it and then I'm like okay ready for my new project although I just bought a, a property a year ago that I'm living in now and this is the one that I'm like I'm like oh I could really live here till I die I I just love it. I I think that in all the remodeling that I have have been doing with every house, I was trying to create what I'm in, which is a contemporary, modern, light filled space. But I I happen to be buying these like 1920s homes and wanting them to be Mm. modern. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, now I'm like, okay, I'm content. I'm happy where I'm at.
1: Beautiful. I know just looking at the wall behind you. I don't know if it's wallpaper. It's gorgeous and so creative and different. You can see that you bring your joy into that. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of happiness in the background wall. It's wallpaper.
1: It's so cool. I'll have to like, I'm going to get into the wallpaper thing soon. (laughs) I'm so inspired by
2: photo wall.com.
0: Oh, neat. You can upload you an go. image
2: to it. You'll, yeah, get ready for hours of,
0: yeah, looking like beautiful walls. <laughs> Hours of searching. Ooh, that's pretty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: so you yeah, got to have your, yeah. your fun projects. Oh, that's so neat. I love hearing about that story. And I think it's also really helpful for people to see. Um, it's just sort of the slow burn, like one after another, a little project after another, and how it adds up over a few years. So. It's fantastic.
0: I also love that it it's something that you were passionate about. It wasn't just an investment, but you actually enjoyed the process of purchasing, remodeling, um you know, preparing a home for yourself and also the people who would eventually rent it uh, later on. So I think there's something to be said for listening to that um, part of yourself, I'd really like to do this. This would be fun. And, and not getting too caught up in any possible negative voices or fear of, you know, you, you easily could have been like, wow, well, I don't know. This is, this is a bit of a risk. I'm going to own two places and who knows what's going to happen with the market. Um, but you just went, no, this is worst, worst case scenario. I sell one of them.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, the last property I brought, bought, the one that I'm in now, um, was a stretch for me financially. So a lot of fear came up around it, like, mm-hmm. ah, can I afford this? And, you know, especially like there's I'm the breadwinner, right? It's just like there is no, um, you know, consistent. Uh, Yeah, I'm the breadwinner and I have to drum up my own clients every month. So, there's a lot of unknowns around it. But one of my friends, as I was kind of considering the purchase, she's like, you know, it's great to think about worst case scenario for sure. Like, what's the worst that could happen? She's like, but have you spent time considering what's the best thing that could happen? I had never really done that before. And it really, that really helped like get me out of, you know, that fear mindset and think about like, okay, what is the best thing that could could happen? I could love it. I could love it so much. I could maybe find it easy to afford it. I could, um, want to be there for the rest of my life. I could, you know, make it this beautiful home. And the reality is, you know, this space is perfection for Jude and me. And we needed that space. Like we really, we needed to be able to spread out a little bit. So um, now that he's four, it's like, it's perfection.
1: I'm so excited for you and Jude. It's wonderful. I know when we moved into the house that we're in right now, it was much bigger and it had more space. And my daughter was in kindergarten and I just could imagine the next five or 10 years of her growing up in this beautiful, bright space, um, and it just felt so much better. It's just our spaces matter, and I don't know if we give ourselves the right to think that way. It's expensive. Real estate markets can be crazy and scary, but um, whatever we can do to create that beauty and that feeling of this is where I want to be, it's, it's so important when we do that, isn't it?
2: It's so, so incredibly important. And a lot of like creatives are sensitive to that, but it's really true for all kinds of people, whether you're conscious of it or not. And it doesn't have to be an expensive thing. Like for me, what I value is like modern architecture and a lot of light. Um, And so... Like I've gotten, I've just kept, I've learned and learned and learned and the more decisions I've made, like what I value around space and how it feels. And it's funny, I like, even now when I travel, I think about the architecture of that city. Like, okay, what is the architecture there? Where, where could I stay? What kind of space would feel really unique or different or inspiring to me too? So Airbnb, oh, wow. like, you know, you can kind of play around with like, what are the properties you're looking at at Airbnb that are like, yes, like, is it in the middle of a forest or is it, you know, it's a fun way to kind of research what you like and mm-hmm. what you respond to. And, um, and now I'm like, I don't know, I don't, and there are no apologies for it. Like it, it matters to me. The, the space matters, whether I'm living in it or staying somewhere. And so I want to make sure it feels good.
1: I love that. I feel like we could do a whole new podcast all about creating your space. remember
0: when of one, one's own, right? And we're good. Yes, totally. And it's about knowing yourself, right? Knowing what's really important to you, which kind of comes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, essentialism and making those they feel sometimes like they're tough choices because there's, you know, opportunity here, opportunity there, opportunity here. And if you say no to this opportunity, there's that potential FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. And we just got to tap into that self-knowing, of what's right for me. Like what's, what's right for you. It sounds like it's probably not what's right for me. I value compact spaces and, uh, living in, in a place that's convenient for all the things. I love things that are in walking distance. I love things that are in biking distance. Um, so, you know, that's, that's my knowing about myself. Um, so I love that you, you know, you figured out and it may have been over time, what was really important to you and you've managed to land in this beautiful space that is so functional as well as, um, I don't know. I get the sense that it's fulfilling for you as well.
2: 100%. 100%. Yeah. That's so true. I'm a big believer of like micro micro tests, like little dipping your toe into things. Um, like I'm a, by the way, I'm a huge fan of walkability. Like any day I can not be in my car, I'm so happy. (laughs) So Um, convenient. And I I love uh, the challenge of being in a small space and having everything have kind of dual purpose and have it feel big because, you know, it works for your needs. Um, But yeah, like even the, where I ended up, the way I ended up where I am here was just a test. Like I wanted to see what it felt like to live in Mexico. So Jude and I went to Mexico for a couple months and just got a feel for it. And I was open to like, maybe I'll stay longer. Maybe I'll just stay the two months. And then I came back to Portland and I had rented my house out while, while I was gone. And the people that rented it wanted to stay there a couple extra months. So I'm like, I'm fine. Jude and I will find a short-term rental in the Pearl. We've Mm -hmm. always been curious about, I have always been curious about what it would be like to live like urban, like in the heart of the city. And, um, so we found a a short-term rental three months and, uh, within like, it was like 24 or 48 hours. I called my landlord and I was like, Oh, we want to extend the lease. Like I'm not going back to that, that other house that I loved dearly. Um, (laughs) but it was like, just when I, when I think about it, it was like, I wouldn't have been here had I not tried out Mexico, had I not been open to a short-term rental and it was getting to actually experience things in a very kind of uncommitted way. And just like a trial, scenario that um, helped me kind of find a place that that really feels good to me.
1: Wow. It sounds like you've really figured out how to make those decisions by testing the waters and you're like following your curiosity and being open. And it's such a Jedi mind that you're approaching life with. I am just so inspired by that. It's the perfect conversation for me today. And I bet you lots of the people listening are also It's so easy to get stuck in what we're told to do, what we're supposed to do, the way we're supposed to grow a business or live a life. And you've kind of broken all the rules. And um, it seems
0: like it's turning out beautifully.
2: Thank you. Thanks.
0: And I would add to that, Lindsay, Mm -hmm. that we get comfortable, right? We get comfortable with what we've always done. And it can be really hard to break out of that pattern. And it's so, so awesome that you've been able to break that pattern repeatedly to create the life that you want
2: mm, that's that's true thank you yeah it is I mean it's so easy to get comfortable especially when you're in a, a, especially when you're a single parent because you know you've already got a lot on your plate and so it's kind of like often the path of least resistance is what we take and I, I do it all the time you know what's yeah. easy and that's a really yeah. valid question too um that's a really valid question
0: so how do you hmm. break away from that that question of well okay what's the easy, what's the least path the path of least resistance <laughs> trying to find the words <laughs> uh, you know that yeah. path of least resistance and instead choosing something different that might be more work but also could be more fulfilling what, what's the is there a mental cue yeah. or how do you do that
2: Well, I think it's, it's fun to, to dream, you know, for sure. But the, the path that the one I'm talking about now, as far as like going to Mexico and then doing a short-term rental in Portland and like that whole thing, ultimately it's like just solving problems. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I had a, a one-year-old who all the, all the, um, daycares in Portland, you know, are booked. And so I was really struggling with finding consistent care for him. I was on the waiting list of like five different daycares and I, as he was getting older and walking and, you know, I was like, I'm not going through another winter with a toddler in Portland, Oregon. I'm just not. So how can I solve this problem? (laughs) And, you know, through a lot of, you know, exploration came up with the idea of like, hey, let's go to Mexico, somewhere warm, sunny. And my whole priority with Mexico was it has to be walkable. I don't want to be in cars or taxis. It has to be family friendly. Um, It's got to be warm. I've got to be able to hire support that's really affordable. Um, I need to be able to work from there. Like I just, I didn't take on a lot of work during that time, but I needed to maintain the clients that I had. Yeah. And um, so San Miguel de Ande, like kind of answered all those questions and they have this beautiful, it's kind of like uh, Mexico meets Europe. Mm-hmm. These beautiful cobblestone streets and this gorgeous cathedral in the middle of town where mariachi bands are singing all day long and balloons and like they just, the cultural loves children like I would have Mm -hmm. waiters pick Jude up and take him from table to table and take orders Mm -hmm. and like they just love on their kids so much um culturally and parades every other day which Jude still talks about he was only a year and a half at the time but all that to say it was I was solving a problem in a creative way and (laughs) thinking thinking outside the box and then ironically, like the day before I left for Mexico, I got a call from, um, the, the dream daycare (laughs) that I like put Jude on the waiting list the day after he was born for, I was like, it's called child peace. I love this school. They called, they're like, we have an opening. And I was like, well, I'm leaving the country for three months. So, um, so, but I'm in (laughs) count me in. So essentially, um, yeah. Essentially the day we got back, he started with them and, um, it was a really nice way re-entry and I had planned the short-term rental that I was in. I had coordinated it. I had coordinated it for walkability to his preschool. So that's still where we are. We just walk to school and from school every day, which is a mm. big uh, value for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So problem solving, creative problem solving, thinking outside the box with yeah. problems like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, somebody could have come back to this, to the States and my house wasn't available. Like there were people in there that wanted to stay longer and it's like, right. kind of look at that two different ways. But I really, truly was like, this is an opportunity for me to try something new that I would never be motivated to try had I just been happy and comfy in the house that I'd lived in for
1: years and years.
2: So, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Make yourself a little uncomfortable and and see what you come up with. That's so
0: fun, Chris. I love it.
1: But Mm -hmm. I love that
0: idea of of seeing an opportunity in what could be considered a less than ideal situation.
2: Totally. Total inconvenience.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, So we've covered so many things and it's just been so interesting to get to know you and hear your story. And it makes sense. I mean, it all comes together in this great package of someone who's led by their curiosity and their joy in life. I love that. Is there anything we haven't asked you or we haven't covered that you'd love to add?
2: Oh gosh, nothing that I can think of Carmel, do you have any other questions
0: that I've really I've really enjoyed hearing your story and the the question that keeps coming up for me is like, how how did you get this way? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's me too. How can I how can I be more like you? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yeah, because what what comes to the surface yeah. for me um is that it seems like you have Uh, at least in, you know, since your (laughs) thirties, um, been able to really tap into that inner wisdom. Like you, you knew that that the relationships you were in were not the ones that were going to go the distance or they weren't ideal for you that you've, you've always kind of had this knowing that when it's right, you go, okay, yeah, this is right. And I don't know, did you, do you still second guess yourself or do you just have that hit of knowing and you're like, okay, this is it. Here we go.
2: (laughs) I think it is a work in progress. Like it's always, um, I think as I get older, I'm getting better at it for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. You're just continuing to gather information about yourself and learn new things and try out different things. Um, But I think fundamentally, I just, I think like the path of the entrepreneur for me, it was like, that was the only path for me and I'd been kind of starting my own thing and trying to sell like at the age of eight, I was making perfume and selling that to my neighborhood Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. (laughs) just this idea of creating and, um, in my, like and not being confined by, um, traditional, the traditional, like, hamster wheel of um our culture like there's this kind of way of living that we buy into that you hop on and you start like creating debt for yourself and then you have to work harder to maintain that debt and then you you know you want to have security of health insurance and stuff so you stay employed even though it's not the right fit because it's safe and um And then you get a lot of validation from people that that you should stay there because ooh, it's like it's scary to do your own thing. Um, But for me, like I I learned in my 20s that like that, that path for me and there's no judgment on it. I mean, some people are really wired for that and it's really feels right to them and fulfilling. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's as long as it feels right for you, then that's where you need to be. But for me, I knew that that type of like cubicle living or cubicle life for me would, would little by little just kill my soul. Mm -hmm. And so it became clear like early on, like this is the only path for me and Mm -hmm. it's, it feel, it felt so good. It just felt so good that it was just undeniable to kind of keep navigating down that, that path. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of kinds of ideas around why, why my life unfolded the way it did. But I think fundamentally it does come back to just the curiosity and the ability to kind of just test things out in a very safe way Um, and play around with like what feels exciting, what feels like really good for me and then following that
1: yeah the idea of putting those little challenges in your path is really a great thing to take away from this right if there's something that might appeal to you what's what's a simple little way like a short-term rental um of testing that out and feeling what it feels like i that's really actionable and and lovely Mm -hmm.
2: yeah or if you've always wanted to move to philadelphia like Go there for the weekend. Don't, you know, just feel it out or go there for a month, you know, see what it's like to live in Philadelphia. What's the coffee shop that you love and get to know, you know, the people in that neighborhood. It's like, I think we often like live, um, just stay in the town that we grew up in. And there's again, no judgment around that. I've totally done that. Like I grew up in Portland. I still live in Portland, Um, but I think the more traveling that I've done, the more I appreciate Portland. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I think often people get kind of stuck in these comfort, comfortable areas and forget that, like, if you've got a dream to like, you know, live in Mexico or New Orleans or whatever, like try it, go there for a month see what it's like and then then all of a sudden like it's not such a big decision yeah,
1: yeah. right yeah half the job is done because you've, you've taken the hard step of just doing a little bit yeah I really like yeah. that yeah and
2: then you have the clarity then you're like no like for me in San Miguel I loved every minute of being there but it was like this is not a place that I'll live but it's a wonderful place that I'll continue to visit
1: mm, yeah don't, we're gonna we're gonna have some show notes and I think linking up San Miguel and the other other things that you've talked about I think that'd be really valuable for for people to dig into beautiful um we have some lightning round questions so we'll hop over there and um get ready so do the first
2: some, do you have a, do you have a sound effect that we can oh
1: you are so even like let me see give me 12 seconds <laughs> you're challenging but I do have something here <laughs> okay ready we're gonna try yeah. cheering and I have to change the settings but don't worry nobody can hear all this okay um okay Ready? Going live. One, two. This is clapping and cheering. I love it. Um, It's so fun. We all need clapping and cheering. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We have a lightning round for you. Chris Johns, Carmel, you've got the first question. Cue
0: it up. Okay. um I, I like this. What's the book? Because I love to read uh, and I listen to a lot of Audible. Um, what's the book that's had the biggest impact on you?
2: Well, I mean, the one that comes to mind is Essentialism. But we already talked about that. And I would say second to that, the book that I give out the most is a book called Conversations with God. Mm-hmm. It really shifted my mind around spirituality and um, kind of the... T- more traditional church that I grew up in.
1: Lovely. Yeah. I love that. All right. Um, I like this one. What's your favorite activity these days to do just for you? Is it decorating new houses or is it something else? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually, you are right on. We need a <laughs> clapping and a cheering sound for that. It's decorating my own place it's like been such a wonderful labor of love true love is mm-hmm. just moving into the, into this space a year ago now um april and little by little making design decisions that just feel so that just make it home for me
0: beautiful beautiful yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. You're kind of making me feel like I need to take a look at my house because I don't pay much attention to the design and, and stuff <laughs> of my house. So I'm, I feel like, oh, maybe I, maybe I need to pay more attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the best piece of advice or the worst piece of advice you get to choose that you've ever gotten? Oh,
2: Okay. Let me narrow it down. Ever, I'll, I'll say that I've ever gotten around parenting. All right. um, okay. So the best one was get help. Um, get help. You know. So prior to Jude being born, I hired a postpartum doula to literally be there for me when I came home from the hospital. And she was there every other night for three months. And she Mm -hmm. taught me like how to change a diaper, how to like, (laughs) there's so much to learn on top of just, you know, figuring out all the other things. So, um, it allowed me to get sleep during those first three months and, um, but it was such good advice. And the other one was, was, um, what I mentioned before was just kind of find your tribe of people who are doing the same thing that you're doing. Mm
1: -hmm. I love that. Um, okay. I think this is the last one. Do you have any traditions or rituals that you and Jude have just for the two of you as your family rituals?
2: Mm. Um, we, uh, every Saturday we don't plan anything. We have the full day. It's just the two of us. And we, we do a lot of things, but it's very organic. We do what we feel like in the morning in the moment. And, um, it's such a nice contrast to the, the week and yeah. I just look forward to it. So it's just kind of a go with the flow kind of day. Um, yeah. And then the, and then is <clears throat> the other thing that we do every day, which I also adore cause like, it's just time for us together, but it's nourishing to me is that I have this sauna blanket. I've always been big into saunas, but you know, not everybody can put a sauna in their, in their house. So (laughs) I bought this sauna blanket. It's so, it's, there's so many health benefits to sauna sauna in, and it's basically a blanket that's an infrared sauna and it's really, you know, like, Mm having your own sauna, but in a blanket. (laughs) So it's part of our morning routine. I wake him up and then Mm -hmm. he gets stressed. And then he watches a few minutes of videos on the bed with me while I'm in that little sauna blanket. And it's like, I think for me, like figuring out ways to integrate, integrate routines that are beneficial for both of us. Um, but they're not major. Like little, little routines. Like I play the ukulele while he gets dressed. And that means I get to practice and I don't have to sit there and be like, put your pants on, put your shirt on. Like I'm taking care of what might be frustrating for me. (laughs) I'm like distracting myself (laughs) from that and I'm little by little getting better at playing the ukulele. So, um, yeah, just those little routines have, have kind of, I'm constantly like trying to fine tune and figure out little ways to make the day-to-day more fun and enjoyable.
1: I love it. Playing the ukulele while he gets dressed. Got to keep that one at my sleeve. (laughs) So fun. Yeah.
2: Yep. Go for Mm -hmm. it. I dare you. Let's learn, let's learn a song about it.
1: (laughs) That's so fun. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Right? There you go. Our next podcast. Join us for the three of us playing ukulele in the morning. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. And some lullaby club singing from Carmel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to hear this lullaby from Carmel.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe at some point it wasn't actually a lullaby. It was lullaby <laughs> club. And I, I think I sang a, a jewel song, didn't I? I don't remember, but it was
1: it was so lovely. Like, I just was like, Oh, I didn't, I don't even know what it could have been twinkle, twinkle, little star, but it was just like, clearly she's brave enough to do it, even though she's clearly like a little bit nervous and it was so melodic and beautiful. And I was just like, wow, I have to know who this is. So partly it was the vulnerability of doing it anyways, when you're in front of all those people and some, a lot of them are professionals
0: and just being like, I'm just going to do it. That was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. There are professional musicians in that group that play. And so, you know, there's like, "lol me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. The power of the power of music. And you had the courage to share your gift. And look what happened. Now you're doing this podcast. I
0: know. Who knew? Who knew? (laughs) It's, you know, and uh, that comes down to the small, sometimes it's the small seemingly inconsequential decisions that we make that end up having these big impacts and we just never know so do the thing always do the thing do the thing
1: <laughs> nice yeah. awesome well chris thank you so much for joining us i feel like we need a little bit more of this gloves. <laughs> <applause. laughs> Ah, it's been a pleasure <laughs> to learn from how you do life it's just been lovely to see how how things have gone in your in your world ah,
2: thank you so much it was such a joy to be here and I love what you guys are doing and I'm a big fan so thank you for including me
1: my pleasure all right well we will link to all your links and share all your sharing things on the show notes so
0: people do check into to that
2: Okay. Sounds good.
0: Before you leave, we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician, Laura Koch, who wrote our intro slash outro music. Laura is a singer-songwriter for the band The Quirks, and you can find them online at Quirks, K-W-E-R-K-S, dot com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure
1: you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening.
0: Three, two, one.